Dynamite from the Sunshine State. I'm Greg Carlwood, and if one was looking for signs of decline in Western civilization, they wouldn't have to look very far. Not only are we led by the least among us, but we've allowed ourselves to be mystified by many of the empty promises of industrialization and the false idol of corporate profit driven scientism. Calling it progress to have an oil and plastic based society with factory farms and manufacturing complexes poisoning the water, land, and air in exchange for very little. We've accepted chemical soaked crops, sick livestock animals, and lab made frankenfood as some sort of modern improvement on what we already had provided abundantly by the natural system. And these corporate megalithic destroyers of worlds hide the slavery in their supply chains, obscure the truth of their products' health consequences, and make hundreds of millions a year, while the few food suppliers and goods makers committed to doing things the right way struggle to stay in business. It's about as backwards as could be, and instead of confronting this reality, we beg and plead for more screen-based entertainment and a few more pills to help quell the stirring in our guts and thoughts in our heads that we are so off course that the work required to get back just seems too daunting to endure. But there is still light in the darkness, and people like today's returning guest Clive DeCarl, who not only went through his own dark night of the soul and natural healing process after being helped by the medical experts in a way that made minor issues turn into much bigger ones, but he has since committed himself to promoting the natural ways, offering high-quality nutrient and vitamin supplementation, and highlighting the healing technologies that the nefarious few have tried to keep us from learning about. You can find his offerings at clivedecarl.com as well as join his Secret Health Club, a closed-door repository for an avalanche of important information, studies, presentations, and all that one could want in terms of health and wellness. He was here in 2017 and again in 2021, and I am very much looking forward to the trilogy. Let's do it. The medical machine's illusion buster, big pharma fighter, and path to health provider. Clive, welcome back to the higher side. Thank you so much, Greg. Brilliant. Fabulous to be back. <laughs> yes, it's a real pleasure. You're extremely knowledgeable and well-rounded when it comes to all things health and wellness. It seems like all of us are just a little broken or suboptimal in one way or another, and we can often link that right back to some aspect of the big machine and our modern ways of living. And as bleak as I made that intro sound, I do actually have a bit more hope that the tide is turning after the last couple of years, but this is where you're focused day in and day out. What do you think? Would you agree? Well, people are waking up a little too slowly for my liking, but nevertheless, a lot of people who've been jab injured obviously are waking up, you know. Loads of people are seeing it for what it is, which is good. I mean, clearly the problem in the world is government. There is really no other problem. I mean, psychopaths are in control and have been for a long time, you know, I think it would be so easy to change everything in as much as you're in America, like in England, I don't know how many public servants you have in America, you know, everything from the army to every government official, so to speak, you've probably got millions of them. And 
those public servants have forgotten the definition of the word servant. Mm -hmm. They've turned against us, haven't they, really? So I would say if we redefine the word servant, just in case they haven't quite got the gist of what it means, then we take, you know, the Congress, Senate and so on. There's nothing really wrong with those organisations if they were run by nice people and not psychopaths. If you took corporations and you made the directors of corporations individually liable, just like if you run a small company, if you're a director, you're individually liable. And then you change currency on government so their, their currency doesn't work anymore. Or you could say that just like the greenback dollar or the Bradbury pound in England, the government could print its own money at no interest based on what? Based on the value of the country itself, you know, the land, the real estate, you know, the, everything. You know, America, for instance, is worth a fortune and there's no need to borrow money from the banks at interest. You know, it's been done in the past when that was avoided. Do you know about the Bradbury Pound? Mm, not specifically, not too much. Okay, so 1914, England declared war on Germany near the beginning of the First World War, and clearly there was a panic. There was the possibility of bank runs, and this was an absolutely real possibility that literally the next day the entire financial system could fall apart because of a bank run. So what the government did is they declared a bank holiday. So the banks were shut, and they cut out the banks completely and printed their own money. Now, the bank holiday lasted about three days, and on the fourth day when the country, the banks opened up, the big worry for the government was would the people accept this new currency, these new notes? And on the first day, they didn't have time to print both sides of the new bank notes. They only printed one side, and the Secretary of State, or whoever it was at the time, was called Lord Bradbury. And these pound notes were called the Bradbury Pound. Now, I don't know that it's the same in America, but in England, the coins are printed without interest by the government themselves, but it's only the notes that bear interest. So suddenly, the people did accept this new money, they accepted it, and for a couple of weeks or so, England was running on money that wasn't borrowed against debt, but it was borrowed against the value of England Limited, or UK Limited, so to speak, and they got away with it, right? So there's a history, and the same is true in America with the greenback, there's a history of governments cutting out the banks and printing their own money without interest. And if you do that, there is no quantitative easing, there is no printing of money against debt and devaluing the currency, it's the other way around. So in my opinion, if you made those four changes, change the currency, change directoral responsibilities for corporate directors, change the definition of the word servant, what it really means, and change out all the people in Congress and Senate or Parliament with people who care, who are lovely. Yeah. I mean, I totally agree with you on what those solutions should be. It's just that we uh, are kind of stuck in a position of not being able to implement them. But we shall see as, as time marches on. But in previous interviews, we focused largely on the essential vitamins and minerals that many of us are depleted in, magnesium, iodine, zinc, vitamins, C, D, and so on. And I'm sure we'll touch on that again, but 
you told me that you've been quietly healing a lot of folks with devices that Tesla had invented. And you showed me a video where you healed 34 people in a row from various pains that they had. And it was quite impressive. They all reported radical reduction of pain, and most of them seemed quite surprised. But talk to us about these devices and the history of this much lesser known health aspect of Tesla's work. Well, it is very, very interesting. I mean, Tesla was the greatest scientific genius ever, now more or less written out of history, because they don't really want you to know. I mean, the car is named after him, and for very good reason. You know, Tesla was the man who basically brought electricity as we now know it to the world. I think he was more responsible for the light bulb than Edison was. They worked together and Edison robbed him, basically. And so I was working with a medical doctor some 20 years ago, and he told me that Tesla had developed these devices and they used to be in hospitals and dentists used them and doctors used them. And he said, you should find one and buy one. So I did. So I bought one that had actually been, it was actually a diathermy device and it had been built in the 1980s. So it was quite late. You know, the first diathermy devices were demonstrated by, well, Tesla's proteges, you might say, in the 1890s. But so this was a late one, and it only had one knob, you know, like a volume knob, that was it. And I was given a 10-minute lesson over the phone as to how to use it. And it so happened my next-door neighbor bumped into me and said he hadn't been able to drive for some months because his neck was completely frozen solid and nobody had been able to release it. So I used the machine, first time ever, on this guy's neck. 15 minutes later, complete freedom, freedom of movement, able to drive again, and the the problem never returned. Second time I tried it, I had popped it in the back of the car so I'd been invited up to a party. And this guy was brought over to me and he could barely walk. He looked awful, just awful. And he explained to me that 20 years before, he'd been working as a DJ, he's quite well known, and he'd seen a speaker column tower going to collapse and possibly kill this girl underneath. So he rushed towards it and propped it up. And in doing so, he crushed three vertebrae in his back. And he said the only reason he came to the party was the ridiculous amount of morphine and painkillers he'd just taken earlier on. Huh. And so I treated him, and he comes out of pain completely, utterly. And I was shocked. He was shocked. And I said to him, look, I, you know, this is the only second time I've used this machine. I don't know, you know, what's really happened here, but take it easy, right? So I leave the party at midnight or something, go home. I get a phone call, 8 o'clock on the dot the next morning. He said, Clive, I had the best night ever. I said, really? He said, yeah, I danced till 4 in the morning. Oh, oh, God. And he said, I'm in more pain now than I've ever been. Come back and treat me again. So I treated him again for about 15 minutes. And bang, he's out of pain again, stayed out of pain for two years. And I had to come back and do another sort of 10 minutes or something. So that was one of the technologies, and that was the one they used in hospitals. So I bought a hospital piece of kit. Now I've got one from 1931, which is much, much better. So, you know, every American hospital of note would have had a diathermy machine. And you can buy modern diathermy machines now, but they're not what I use. I use my diathermy machine if nothing else works. But the classic Tesla device was originally called a Tesla high frequency device. And now, for the last many years, I've been tracking them down. I've got a few people who work with me around the world who 
we know which are the ones to buy and we find them and restore them. And now there's a separate little business which supplies them to practitioners or in some cases, just people at home use them because they're super useful. But let me tell you a bit more about the history of electrotherapy. So in England, there was some religious guy called John Wesley, who's very well known. And 200 and something years ago, he was curing people with electrical devices. You know, at that point, they didn't have batteries as we know them now. They had laden jars, but you could carry a charge just like a battery does. And he was curing people of all sorts of things, from visual problems to pretty much everything. So by 1843, Guy's Hospital in London, one of the big ones in London, in 1843, Guy's Hospital opened their electrotherapy department, way before drugs in the patented sense came out. So from 1843, they were curing people with electrotherapy. So by the time Tesla was making his devices in 1890, you know, it wasn't a new science completely. His take on it was completely new because how he made the machines was using resonating Tesla coils. So in both types of machine, you've got two Tesla coils and they're tuned for resonance. Now, you know, as we know, we are beings of resonance, really. You know, what you resonate maybe is what happens to you, how you feel, what you resonate you know, goes out, it comes in. So what he discovered was that by tuning the Tesla coils to each other correctly, he could deliver what some people might call scalar wave technology, you know, with, with a normal light bulb, you know, normal electrical appliances, you've got positive and negative. With scalar or linear, you've, so to speak, just got the positive. You only need one wire for it to work. And so you know, he was the person who first developed neon lighting and all sorts of things. You know, Tesla was a genius. He invented remote control. He was driving his car electrically by powering it from his office until they banned him from doing it because it was scaring people. But he found that by blowing glass and trapping gases like argon or neon or nitrogen into vacuum, you know, so 500 minus vacuum, he could illuminated just like you do, do a neon light. And if you touched it against the body, electrons and photons, you know, the photons of light, electrons of the sort of the energy would flow into the body. Now, we're familiar with photons because we've been outside in the sun. We're familiar with electrons because when we touch the ground barefoot, you know, grass, for instance, we're receiving electrons from the planet. And bearing in mind, we're meant to be barefoot we're meant to be outside a lot. Most people have rubber soled shoes and they don't touch the ground, so they don't get the natural electrons that animals and, and we should be getting. So instead, they're grounded, essentially. So when you do exercise, now that's creating electrons. You know, why is exercise good for you? Partially because you're charging your body up with electrons. So how else can you get electrons? Well, antioxidants, you know, vitamin C, glutathione, you know, there are all sorts of ways, you know, fruits and veg, to get vitamin C, and vitamin C also creates electrons. So using a Tesla device, you can achieve the same thing with maybe a thousand times more potency, which is why results happen very often, most of the time in minutes. The fastest result I ever had was 10 seconds. Huh. This woman come to me, I was giving a talk and demonstrating the devices, and 
she comes up to me. She can barely talk. She's got lockjaw. So I put the general electrode on her jaw. And before I had time to say, you know, I'm turning it up. Can you feel it yet? Her mouth dropped open. She was talking normally. So for a long time, we didn't really discuss this technology at all. But now if people are interested, then for a pound, a dollar, you can join secrethealthclub.com and you can get onto the Tesla device pages and you can learn the basics about it. You know, back in the day, these things were taught to doctors, so there are loads of medical books about this stuff at the time, but they're quite hard to find. So what happened is, 1891, Tesla is touring Europe, and while he patented all his scientific inventions, he never patented the health inventions. He didn't feel that was appropriate. So he just gave the technologies away. And various scientists, if you like, ran with it, tested himself, built machines, and showed them at the World's Fair, you know, the Chicago World's Fair in 1893. And because he was the most famous scientist in the world at that point, and he lit the World's Fair, it caught on like wildfire. So by, let's say, the turn of the century, there were several manufacturers making these, some well, some not so well. And dentists discovered them and they became a staple of dentistry. And many of the sets that I find are ex-dentists. Equally, doctors use them. I've got one set, which is in a highly polished wooden box with a, with a handle, and it's got five different electrodes in it, one general purpose, one for the thyroid, one for the spine, one to charge you up with energy, charge the whole body at once, and one other, I can't remember. Anyway, that one not only treats you for pain and stuff, but you can also do surgery with it. And ophthalmologists in hospitals still use diathermy today, because if you want to cut the eye, you don't want bleeding, which might happen with a scalpel. So they often use electrotherapy because it cauterizes, you know, sort of burns, if you like, the capillaries shut so there's no bleeding. So of all the devices I've come across over the decades, I've never come across anything more effective than the Tesla devices. Yes, there are loads of fantastic devices out there, but the one that I use, the one that I, I've got a small one to carry in the car, and I've got a bigger one if I'm seeing clients, it's just incredible. And it's not just pain. I use it myself on my eyes, but I've got no way of telling if it's working or not. Hmm. I've got a couple of videos up of people who've been to the eye hospital because of a really desperate infection in the eye. And in one case, you can see it on the video, the hospital, the eye hospital recommended six months of steroids and six months of antibiotics. And they, they frightened her by saying, you might lose your eye. Anyway, she borrows a machine off me because she's a friend. And by that evening, she's better. The next morning, she said she was something, I can't remember, 85, 90% better. And it just healed up because we don't heal because of lack, you know, many reasons why we don't heal, but one of them is lack of electrons. We're not eating food that's fresh. We might be eating fruits and veg, but if it's 24 hours old, hasn't got nearly as much vitamin C as it did when it was picked. We're not doing the exercise we should. We're not touching the ground barefoot. And it's an extraordinary way that Tesla found to literally get people back in balance. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it makes sense to me. We are electric beings, and the more we learn about this component of 
the stack that makes up a human, the more we find out how important it is. And I guess these devices are still somewhat a little bit underground because you said you've used them for a couple of decades now, but you haven't really talked about them despite how effective they are. Is that out of caution because of certain people who don't want these devices out there? All the practitioners that I know either don't have a website or it's just word of mouth. I mean, you know, nobody wants to attract attention, so to speak. Right. And you, know, you don't want to be sending practicing medicine without a license or who knows what. But, I mean, all sorts of professions use these, 1910, 1920, 1930. Even barbers use them, right, to regrow hair. I mean... They were commonplace. You could buy them at the pharmacy. And the problem now is actually, funnily enough, not finding them. It's finding anybody who knows how to repair them. There's only probably two people that I know in the stage who I would rate are able to repair them. And even then, they can't repair all of them because they don't, they're not familiar with them. One of them doesn't do repairs. And the other, well, I'm keeping him busy, quite honestly, repairing <laughs> stuff. So there are really probably only maybe five people and six people, something like that, in the world who pretty much know how to do it. My best restorer has been at it for 20 years, and between him and myself, we've got stacks of spare parts, and he's now super familiar. So it's incredible technology. People are probably wondering how they could get one and what the prices are, and restored they sort of start around the $2,000 mark for a, a really good one. Mm. And, you know, they're mostly 100 years old. So, as I say, we've worked out over the years which ones stand the test of time and which ones just crumble to dust when you try to use them. So a good one, you know, $2,000 or something. And it goes upwards like to $10,000 for the super professional, you know, super duper or singing or dancing that you can do anything with because... You know, Tesla was making electrodes in the 1890s for almost every body part you can think of. So people were using it for embarrassing vaginal-type issues because you can use an internal one. Men were using them for the prostate. You know, people would buy them at home. And, you know, there was one for the heart, one for the lungs, one for literally every part of the from breast enlargement, you, know, you name it, there was an electrode for almost every purpose you could think of. And some people might be asking the question, are there any dangers using this technology? There's only one that I've discovered, and I'll explain that to you, as it was explained to me by probably the person in the States who knows more about these machines than anybody. At one point, he had over 7,000 different electrotherapy devices, 11,000, including all the ones that were used in all the Frankenstein movies for 30 years, right up to the young Frankenstein. All those machines were real machines that were used by crazy medical people. Mm. <laughs> anyway, so, yeah, the danger, the one danger, as it was explained to me. Right. What happens is that if you put it straight on the skin, that's great. If you hover above the skin, sparks can jump. So if you're using the reptile electrode, he explained that you don't want to fart. <laughs> okay, <laughs> noted. 
Yeah, so this is the danger, and you really don't want to do that. I mean, I, I, I don't know that anybody's ever, ever done it, but you just wouldn't want to explode, I don't <laughs> No, no. Uh, but these devices, for people who obviously are listening to an audio show, they're about the size of a suitcase, it looks like. They look kind of steampunky with all the metal components, and it just seems like you take a wand with this electrical charge and rub it against the part of the body, in most cases, back, knee, jaw, that has the pain and people are relieved almost every time. It's pretty amazing that this kind of thing could be suppressed and is suppressed and is so effective. Well, the suppression story is not quite as conspiratorial as you might think. Damn. Well, it's interesting. Anyway, <laughs> so when World War II was looming, uh, diathermy devices, the big hospital machines, they could be turned into radio transmitters. And the authorities were worried that the Japanese or the Germans or somebody might get hold of these powerful radio transmitters. So they literally took those ones out of hospitals and had the manufacturers change from long wave to short wave. So you know, they weren't such powerful transmitters that way. And it took them a couple of years to realize they didn't work the same way. And some people were dying. So it was going out of favor rapidly as drugs were patented, drugs were becoming the norm. And that was where the money is. Because if you buy a machine that never goes wrong, I mean, my, my machine from 1931, you open it up, it's like new. I mean, it's been used, but I mean, this will go on for another 500 years. The quality of the build was so unbelievable. But of course, that doesn't suit the money industry, does it? They want things to break, that go wrong, need replacing, cost a million quid. Yeah. Constantly. So by the time World War II ended, they totally stopped teaching electrotherapy, just totally stopped it. I mean, they'd already pretty much stopped it before because, as you know, the Rockefeller Medicine cartel literally went to every hospital teaching school in America and they bribed them. They said, look, if you stop teaching all this homeopathy rubbish, all this water therapy rubbish, all the electrotherapy, all the herbalism, acupuncture. You just stop teaching all that. Just teach drug surgery and radiation, and we'll endow you with millions and millions of dollars. And the, the hospitals, the teaching schools basically took the money, as far as I can see. Then they bribed all the government to pass laws which banned healing, essentially. You know, if you're in England, for instance, if I claimed, which I can't legally, that I could cure cancer, it's two years in jail for making that claim because I'm not a doctor. I can't say that. I can't use the word cure. If I do use the word cure, I'm spelling it with a K. If I use the word cancer, I'm spelling that with a K as well. Right, right. <laughs> it's so silly, these things we have to do to get around the medical cartel. And on the subject of suppressed devices, you might have remembered that I'm deaf in my right ear, or maybe it was just a happy accident, but you mentioned some lost hearing technologies that were common in the first part of the last century that are now, as it goes, written out of history. I'm very curious about this. Of course, there's many different types of hearing loss, but what sort of stuff was out there in this regard? Okay, well, my favorite tool, my, the first tool of choice would be to use the ear attachment with the Tesla high-frequency device. Now, there's no guarantee it's going to work, but more often than not, at the very least, hearing improves. 
and it's definitely worth trying. I'll post you a machine, you can try it out mm. and see if it works for you. Did you hear what happened to Crow? Yeah, he had a stiff finger and you, I think it was magnesium that you recommended him to take. And by the end of the interview, he could move his finger again. It was like he had a, the trigger finger was kind of in that trigger pulling position and he couldn't straighten out his finger. Am I getting this right? Yeah, absolutely right. There's vitamin C and magnesium. One hour later, his finger's straightened. Anyway, he purchased a machine and like really everybody, People have huge success. You know, occasionally somebody doesn't have success, which is really weird. And um, it brings me on to another element of all this. You know, one of the best results I ever had, I was using, this was a while ago, I was using different frequency devices. I had four devices, modern ones, and I'd got them all wired together for superpower. And this client told me he'd got brain fog, he'd got eyesight issues and he was in pain so i treat him At the end of the session everything's fixed right just unbelievable he's thrilled and as he's telling me this i glance over to the wall and i realize i'd forgotten to switch all four machines on hmm. he'd done it himself with, with belief with hope with whatever it was yeah i mean i knew that so much is in the mind but that was such powerful proof it was literally my best result that year and I'd done nothing, machine <laughs> on, you know. So there's that element. And now I don't know how much is the healer, how much is the supplement, how much is the person receiving it, how much they want to live or die, you know. How much of what is what? There's a fantastic book by a medical doctor, which is called, um, it'll come to me in a minute. I clearly, I had a long day. Uh, anyway. <laughs> The results with placebos are way off the charts of possibility. Yeah, yeah. Reality seems mainly to be uh, a mental conscious phenomenon. So I definitely believe it. We call it a placebo effect as if it's like a fluke, but it really is like a mental willing that turns into healing. And I also wanted to ask you just a little bit about the jab because some of your recent videos and interviews do get into things that can be done to remove that toxicity from one's body. It seems to me that most people who thought the jab would be harmful just didn't take it. And most people who did take it don't see a need to rid themselves of anything that was in there. But what do we know about the jab's effects and remediation now that maybe we didn't know when we last talked in 2021? Well, the most extraordinary thing that I've heard recently is that people have been recovering with nicotine patches. Wow. So that's quite a surprise for me. Yeah. I don't think anybody who wants to experiment, you know, nicotine patches apparently aren't addictive. Gum apparently isn't addictive either. So I'm told. So I believe it's pretty safe. I'd use the patches maybe. But some people are getting results in like 24, 48 hours, just feeling better. And you don't need a high dose of nicotine, you can go for the low dose one. So that's one way. Then you're poisoning in general, if we'd look at that to start with. If I was an emergency room doctor and somebody came to me, they'd been poisoned, but I didn't know what it was. 
I would be using vitamin C. I'd be giving them vitamin C every five or six minutes over and over and over and over. If they throw up or get diarrhea, well, that would probably be a good thing to get rid of poisons anyway. I would be giving them charcoal, loads of charcoal. I'd be giving them MSM sulfur, good quality stuff. And with that, if you take sulfur as a supplement, if you don't take enough, you can feel worse. How sulfur works is very interesting. In chemical terms, it's sulfates material. So if you had copper, for instance, you were stuck in the body for some reason, that's a bad example, mercury. You've got mercury stuck in the body. If you mix it with sulfur, you sulfate it, turn it into mercury sulfate, which is now water-soluble, and you can pee it out. So sulfur is incredible for allowing toxins to be made water-soluble and removed. Now, the thing is that if you've got mercury locked in a cell, okay, it's doing a lot of harm, or maybe another poison would be a better example. Some poisons are better locked up than out. So if they come out in the bloodstream, you might feel worse. And if you take MSM sulfur and you feel worse, the next thing to do is to take more sulfur. It just means you feel worse, just means you're successful. You're at the first stage of getting it out. Now you need to take more to finish the process and get it out of your body completely. Hmm. So other things you could be using, selenium. I do a liquid selenium, which is just mind-boggling. We could talk about that separately. Selenium is fantastic for poisoning. Glutathione, you could go and get a glutathione IV drip. I have a product which I make called Glutathione Builder because glutathione is great, but you can't take it for very long. You wouldn't want to take it for more than a month, say, because otherwise the body will start not making its own glutathione. So the liver makes glutathione if you're healthy. And glutathione is sort of one of the ultimate detoxification agent that the body can make. It's also anti-inflammatory, has some interesting properties. But if you take, I've got a blend of amino acids and minerals, basically, which are exactly what the liver needs to make glutathione. And that way, you know, the body's just empowered to make more of it, which is what you want. So that can be very useful. You know, there are a number of things, you know, that I could suggest, but those are, relatively speaking, inexpensive ways to do it. Hmm. Right on. I was going to ask you more about selenium. I believe I read in the Secret Health Club that it was Dr. Gerhard Schrazer, yes. who was the uh, grand old man of selenium science. What is the deal there? Is, is this related to addiction that selenium can help with? Like, what are the major things that it's useful for? And, and what's the mechanism of action there? Okay, so huge swathes of the world, particularly North America, are low on selenium. So you might be in a state where there just isn't enough selenium in the soil. Now, selenium goes with iodine. They come as a pair, you might say. And anybody who's got a thyroid issue needs to be investigating selenium and iodine because they may find, if they're on levothyroxine, the drug, they may find that they don't need it that actually they just need iodine and selenium. Some people actually do need an additional thyroid hormone, and most people who don't want to take a drug get it from an animal. So you can get animal-based desiccated thyroid gland, you have a dried thyroid, don't need very much, and that is a complete 
thyroid blend rather than thyroxin, which is just T4, which is only a quarter or less of what you really need. The animal version wins out. It's tough on vegans, obviously. But selenium detoxifies and it turns off antitoxins. So to explain what I mean, if you're taking a toxin every day, let's say you really like alcohol, let's say you really like methadone or heroin, nobody likes methadone, but you like heroin or maybe they put you on methadone and you can't come off each time you try, it's just a nightmare. And what the addict often believes, thinks, is that the lack of the heroin is what's making them feel so miserable. But actually, it's slightly different to that. So the human body is so intelligent. So if you put in a toxin on a daily basis, then the body will start making antitoxins to try and help you deal with the daily poisoning. So somebody goes cold turkey, they give up the booze, they give up the alcohol, they give up the heroin, they give up the methadone. If they take a very large dose of selenium at the same time, the selenium turns off the antitoxins. So suddenly, it's so much easier. I've had people who've been on drugs for like almost two decades come off easily, but the dosage is everything. And whenever I'm talking about dosages or amounts or whatever, do your own research because as Mark Twain said, you know, be careful what you read in a health book because you might get killed by a misprint. Mm. So don't take what I'm saying as the answer. Research it, and I can tell you where to do that. So with selenium, the liquid one that I have, one drop every two or three days should be adequate. However, if you're trying to come off a substance, I've had people take up to 20 drops, you know, not one every two or three days, but 20 drops in a day for one, two, or maybe three days. And that was all it took to turn off the antitoxins and coming off is easy. But to come off, you also need other materials. Again, we could talk about. But selenium, I've had people say their hair colors come back. It's quite bizarre. I'm not saying that's normal. My hair color hasn't come back. But when I was young, they used to sell everywhere in the supermarkets anti-dandruff shampoo. And on the label, it used to say, say anti-dandruff with selenium. Because selenium helps stop, you know, flaky skin and stuff. You know, I've done two-hour interviews with experts on selenium as to what it can do. It's amazing, absolutely amazing and incredibly overlooked. Now, if you want to eat your way to selenium, Brazil nuts are apparently, they're meant to be, the food with the most selenium in them. There are other selenium-rich foods. Just off the top of my head, I can't remember what they are. <laughs> Right on, Brazil nuts. So I know there's a ton of stuff in the Secret Health Club archive, and much of it might not be fresh in your mind, but looking at addiction stuff, I found an article titled John D. Rockefeller, Addiction, Gold, and the Alcoholics Anonymous Cover-Up. It talks about Dr. Leslie Enright finding the cure for alcoholism around the time of the Great Depression, and it was apparently gold in a mineral salt form it had a 94% success rate in curbing addiction and cravings as opposed to the Rockefeller-funded AA model, which had a 5 to 10% success rate. Well, we know they want us to be consuming poison and unable to stop, 
Do you, do you recall much about the role of homeopathic gold in this context? I've read the article more than once, but I can't remember right now that much about it. But I remember being super impressed. Yeah, it was kind of complicated and over my head, but it's just one of those things that uh, the part that was interesting to me is just how they funded Alcoholics Anonymous and the guy who started it knowing that it wasn't really going to work and purposely suppressed this alternative. And it kind of gets into alchemy and and just gold in a salt form and these kind of things. It seems like many minerals and, and metals and elements can alchemically be presented in other forms and some have health benefits that you wouldn't ever suspect. Yes. I mean, I do a mushroom blend, which has various monatomic elements, you know, monatomic gold and so on in it. But the AA story is super interesting because Bill W., one of the founders of AA, was a manic depressive, you know, bipolar. I'm pretty sure that it might have been schizophrenia, but I think it was bipolar. Anyway, he went to see a psychiatrist in Canada called Dr. Abraham Hoffer. And Dr. Hoffer was into vitamins and minerals. And he gave Bill W. three grams of niacin, vitamin B3, every day. And within a few days, he was cured. He gave him other minerals and vitamins as well. But Bill W. apparently wanted to make niacin the 13th step of AA, but they threw him out of his own organization, apparently, and wouldn't let it happen. Uh. <laughs> yeah, got to keep that effectiveness down. Yeah, they want you to be a victim, don't you? You know, I'll never be cured. I'm I'm always a hopeless alcoholic. You know, I mean, that's my take on what AA is. You know, you're never cured. Yeah, absolutely. And let me ask you about the mushroom blends, because this is something that seems like a very underreported on aspect of the general ecosystem. We hear about herbology and stuff, but the mushroom kingdom is quite wild. The number of mushrooms out there and the wide range of effects is pretty crazy when you really get into it. I've seen a few documentaries and Paul Stamets interviews that really opened my eyes to all this. But talk to us about your foray into the mushroom kingdom and what it can be used for, what they can be used for. Well, the primary mushroom I mean, you know, where it's legal in the world, obviously psilocybin in microdoses is a fantastic, fantastic material, particularly for getting people's emotions back together and get over traumas and so on. But the primary mushroom we're using is lion's mane, and we also use a type of St. George's mushroom. But the key for us, I've been working with a mushroom expert, and he's using frequencies, and he can increase the potency and the strength and the growth of these mushrooms tremendously just by playing them different frequencies that they like. And he's also found various substrates, foods to give them that they really like. And we found that mixing the mushrooms with monatomic elements has been immensely, well, profound, I suppose. I called the product Focus because when we were doing, so to speak, the Focus Group, the word that cropped up more than any other word that people used to describe the mushroom blend was that it gave them focus. You know, certain people say, oh, I found my purpose in life, you know, really way more profound than I was expecting, actually. Hmm. And 
you do is you just take it for one month only and you take it's four days on three days off so four days you take it then the neurons rebuild the thing about lion's mane for instance is that and this has been known for forever for a very long time that you can rebuild your your neurology literally it will rebuild brain pathways so you know if somebody's got dementia or something well that might be one of the many things you could do and there are many things that need to be done if somebody's brains turning to swiss cheese but yeah the mushrooms anybody who's you know unsure about where they are who they are what they're doing you know some people find it really mind opening it's so powerful that we've even got once a month we hold meetings for people who buy it so that they can discuss the results because in the same way that people can have very positive breakthroughs for some people if their positive breakthrough is dealing with their unfortunate past well that might come up for them and they might have to deal with it and get it out of the way one last time yeah yeah <laughs> that's true the mushroom kingdom is just quite impressive it has a full wide range of all sorts of stuff and then you throw in the psychedelic mushrooms and it's like yeah this is a a whole aspect of our natural world a whole category that really is understudied and underutilized and this is kind of a wild card and i know it is not really a focus of yours but if you search the term in the secret health club you will get some results and that's urine therapy there are people in this audience that have been messaging me for years about doing a full urine therapy episode and i'm not sure that it needs two hours but in the secret health club you have an interview with David Murphy, who says he drinks 10 ounces of his urine twice a day, every day. He started with a 30-day urine fast, and it healed his asthma, repaired his lungs, his hair grew back, and his wrinkles faded. You also provide an ebook that's just a massive list of testimonials organized alphabetically by condition, over 200 pages. A lot of the reports center around asthma, cancer, diabetes and eczema but it is very very wide ranging it's a strange one but have you ever engaged with this or do you know much about the science or logic behind it and why it does seem to heal well there's no doubt that it does or can dave is one of the fittest healthiest most strong-willed people that i know and very intelligent guy and for him, it did all those things, totally fixed all his physical problems. He went back to a condition where he was like 40 when he did 28 days. But he didn't just drink his own urine. He didn't drink anything else. He recycled all his urine during that time, recycled it over and over and over. And you know, they say that we make homeopathically in our urine a remedy. And I've done other interviews about urine therapy where people have taken one drop of urine and then diluted it to a homeopathic level, you know, which is where you put one drop in a bottle, fill it up with water, shake it up, tip it all out, and repeat the same thing 30 times. Hmm. And now you've got a 30 times homeopathic remedy. There's nothing there. You know, there is nothing there. And some people say that's what they do. When I was in my 20s, I was working in a practice, and I had this beautiful girl come in, and said, feel my face, darling, it's so soft. I felt her face, and it was very soft. She said, yes, I rub urine into my 
my face every day. I thought, oh my God. Um, but let's say you cut your leg and it's bleeding and there are flies and you don't want to get an infection. You get somebody to pee on it and that ends infection. You know, they say that in utero, in the womb, you know, the baby is suspended in a sort of sea of urine, in actual fact. So we're, it is a healing substance and people think that the waste comes out in the urine, but if you like, the good waste does, but the bad waste comes out the other hole. Yeah, yeah. I find it interesting because clearly we have free, easy, and unlimited access to urine, but we are told that it's toxic or at least a gross waste product of our body. But this kind of flip happens a lot. Cheap, helpful products like turpentine, maybe as an example, are sold for non-consumption purposes with all sorts of warning labels about if you ingest any, go right to a hospital. But it used to be just kind of a common cure-all. And it seems like urine is something similar. It's a little silly, but it's weird. I just, I'm curious the mechanism. I guess maybe we just don't really know. After speaking with Dave, I tried it. And as a hint to urine users, I found that fresh and warm, I didn't like it. But if I left it in the fridge to cool down, it was easier. I believe that. I believe that. I feel the same way about most liquids. <laughs> like, I don't, yeah. lukewarm is not really the best. It really isn't. So, yeah, I mean, if you're on a budget, it would be a really sensible thing to try. Yeah, I was just shocked at all the conditions. And you are right. A lot of people do massage it in as well as consume it. But it seems to help across the board with so many things. And yeah, just endless supply. Everybody's got it. If the idea just doesn't appeal to you, then think about the homeopathic way of doing it. Right. Or think about the condition that you want to treat. Does that appeal to you? Having that condition, having cancer or eczema or diabetes? Like, how appealing is that? You know, maybe get over the squeamishness if that's what needs to happen. Well, I put an interview out, or I just edited it, probably goes out tomorrow or something, of this lady who was officially declared blind. And she decided that she wouldn't accept that. She'd been given a drug by the doctor. And basically, the back of her retinas has exploded. And so she instantly was blind. And she got to a stage where she sees through like a pinhole in one eye. Anyway, she got her sight back. And she's now driving again. And so the interview is how she did it. And she said she used intention. She got books on anatomy, physiology, and studied all the blood vessels and everything that would be required to get her eyes back working and they're not perfect but she can drive which you know got license to drive again and she explains you know if you like the mental process of doing it. i mean clearly if i was advising somebody who was losing their eyesight there are, there are loads of things that i would be advising and on the secret health club in the eye section there's lots of information people who are most ahead i'd say in eyes are the russians hmm. the, the technology that they have have I ever talked to you about the Russian peptides? I don't think so. I have these on my site as well. So back in the 1980s, the Russian spies in America had found out the Americans had a blinding laser so they could equip a B-52 
with several weapons, and they could fly as high as you like, you can barely see it. And so let's say that there was an army on the battlefield with tanks. So all they had to do was blast the first frequency, and their tanks wouldn't work. Their tanks would stop the frequency interrupted diesel engines. Then they fired the second frequency, which made the soldiers shit their pants. So now, you shit your pants, you're in a tank that won't start. End of war, nobody dies. So that was never going to work because it was too cheap, right? They want things that cost $10 million and need replacing, a sound weapon. They're never going to use the sound weapons. So then they discovered they had a blinding laser, and they realized that there was a risk that the Americans would flash the laser and everybody with their eyes open would be blind. So the Russians should have realized, like the sound weapons, that the Americans would never use such a weapon because it doesn't cost any money. Right? You know. Mm-hmm. Anyway, they took it seriously, and they put, I don't know, over 100 scientists trying to figure out how to repair retinas. And they found an answer, which was to take peptides, which are like small amino acids. You know, when you eat proteins, it breaks it down to peptides, amino acids, which we rebuild into muscle. Anyway, they took peptides from the retinas of cows, and they found that they could put that into capsules. And if people took the peptides for maybe one month, maybe two months, then they could stop for several months. It would trigger stem cell activity or whatever it was in the eyes, and retinas would rebuild. So this was top secret Soviet secrecy until the wall, you know, the Iron Curtain came down. And now these are made in Denmark, the ones that we have, and one can buy them. And they're now 25 different peptides. There's one for the lungs, one for the heart, one for the eyes, obviously. One's for most parts of the body, 25 parts of the body. But the interesting thing is the original ones were not what you might expect. The retina was the first. Then the next two were the thymus and the pineal gland. Now, one might ask oneself, why? Why, as opposed to heart or some other part of the body, why choose the pineal gland and why choose the thymus? Well, the thymus is fairly easy to answer because the thymus gland is the gland that really protects you, keeps your immune system strong, so controls that kind of area. So that was that. But the pineal gland, so what does a pineal gland do? Well, they say it's the gland of connection, you know, cosmic connection, if you like. And because of modern diet and lack of magnesium in the diet, fluoride, our pineal glands have really taken a battering. But pineal glands are also about sleep, the production of melatonin, and our ability to rest. Melatonin is anti-aging. Many, many exciting things about melatonin which is why they made it illegal in everywhere in Europe and England except Italy where you can buy it. So there are so many things you can do to rectify eyesight which are off the beaten track. Frequency devices. Now, the Russians, various nationalities in America, Germany, 40, 50 years, they've been using microcurrent devices. Here with the Tesla device I mentioned, I use the eye attachment on my eye on my eyes. I've got no way of knowing if it's working or not, though, if you see what <laughs> But microcurrent is in use in many, many clinics around the world. I've got an interview that I did 12 years ago or so 
with an American ophthalmologist, Dr. Jerry Tennant, who is incredible. He wrote the book, series of books called Healing is Voltage. And as an ophthalmologist, he's probably fixed more eyesight than most people. Another interesting ophthalmologist down in Florida called Dr. Edward Kondrot, K-O-N-D-R-O-T. They use microcurrent and other devices and supplementation and so on. So, so many people go to the doctor or the ophthalmologist and because they don't know there's an answer, they say, you're going to go blind, nothing you can do. Whereas in many cases, nothing can be further from the truth. Niacinamide, you know, the non-flush version of niacin, that can be fantastic for various eye issues. There are, I personally, because I've got two cataracts which are forming, mainly because of my type 1 diabetes, I want to get rid of them. So I've been using a material called CAN-C, which is N-acetylcarnosine, and I'm using Amanda Volmer's DMSO eye drops in 20% for 20% DMSO eye drops. Now, Amanda says that six months of using her eye drops, that cataracts should dissolve because it's like MSM sulfur, it dissolves scar tissue, amongst many other things. So I'm quite looking forward to not having to worry about those. <laughs> yes, yes. That's really fascinating. The eye is a strange part of our body, but it seems like in the alternative healing world, there are way more solutions for sight than hearing, which is odd because hearing I know is also complex, but it seems a little less complicated than the eye. So I don't know. I've yet to find anything. It'd be interesting to try a Tesla device with the ear attachment. And as we're starting to pull this thing together, I just wanted to ask you broadly for people listening who probably don't have a specific condition that needs to be dealt with. Assuming we're getting enough vitamin D through sunlight, if we had to limit ourselves to just three supplements or vitamins to focus on every day or every week for optimizing our general health broadly, what would you say those would be for most people? Number one's got to be magnesium. It just does everything. Magnesium is number one. If you're getting infections, then vitamin C might be number two. If you've got menopause issues, dry skin issues, thinking issues, iodine might be the next one. After that, maybe fulvic minerals, if you just wanted a general trace mineral thing, very useful. Selenium. Again, if you've got addiction, amino acids are very important. If you're lacking muscle, you know, somebody's old and they're too weak to eat, they say, oh, I haven't got any appetite, amino acids will give them muscle power. Those would be the top ones. Right on. Well, I hope after some of the health shows, people listening might feel motivated to like re-jumpstart themselves and, and get on a regimen. But I loved it, man. Always good to talk to you. Anything else to mention that you're working on next or you want to let people know about before we call it in? Any other new products you're bringing out to the shop? Oh, there are actually so many. Odyssey is a place to see all my latest videos. There's so much I could be talking about. It's absolutely ridiculous. 
tell you one video I put out that's worth watching. Three glasses of tap water. I put chlorine indicator drops, like see if you've got enough chlorine in your swimming pool. Put it in the first glass of tap water. It goes green, showing, yes, you've got chlorine in the water. Second glass, I put two fingers in the glass for three seconds, take them out. Put the chlorine indicator drops. It doesn't go green. Third glass, I take a bit of raw potato, stir it round for about three seconds, take it out. Again, the chlorine indicator drops. It doesn't make the glass go green. So what can we assume from that? I can assume that in three seconds, all the chlorine in the glass of water got sucked into my finger and the third glass got sucked into the potato. Yeah. Wow. That is an interesting experiment. Test it out for yourself. A bottle of chlorine drops cost about $8. I was blown away. I thought, bloody hell. You know, people are having a bath in chlorine or showering, cooking, washing their hands, and the poison gas is going right in. You know, I thought maybe 1% went in when you had a bath or 2%. hadn't realized it appears to be all of it or a big amount. I mean, that was crazy. Yeah, there's really no better indicator of how backwards our society is than our tap water, that we pump this water into everyone's homes and call it acceptable. It's so backwards and it's awful. It really is. So, yeah, that's an interesting one. So, uh, yeah, I mean, if you have time, let's do it again and we can sort of go through because we're just scratching the surface of, <laughs> of how to fix stuff. Have I got two more minutes? Absolutely. So, you know, my history, as I think you know, is I took an antibiotic 38 years ago. That antibiotic made me rheumatoid arthritic and gave me type 1 diabetes. So for the last 38 years, being type 1 diabetic, I've had to take insulin four or more times a day. So I went to see a medical doctor in Germany and he did an ultrasound on me. This is the first time I've ever had an ultrasound done in 38 years of being a diabetic. Didn't cross my mind. So he does it on my kidneys. The first thing he says is, your kidneys are perfect. And I thought, that's really weird. 38 years of type 1 diabetic, my kidneys should be toast. Anyway, so... Then he looks at my pancreas and says, your pancreas is perfect. And I thought, this is weird. Then he said, you're not type 1 diabetic. Huh. I thought, well, I've been taking insulin for 38 years. I have problems if I don't. You know, I've got all the symptoms. He said, you're not diabetic because your pancreas and kidneys are fine. So I started thinking, well, okay, what is going on? And this is what I've come to. I may not be right. I think... Well, what I assumed was that after taking the antibiotic, like one week later, it would be gone from my body. I'm now beginning to think that it never left and it poisoned me and gave me the symptoms of type 1 diabetes 38 years ago and is still active, just like a atom of mercury coming off from your tooth or a tuna fish is still active. You know, 25,000 years it might may perish. But so I think now that the antibiotic is still poisoning me 38 years later. And if that's correct, there may be billions of people who are ill with XYZ who haven't put two and two together that it's the antibiotic that they took all those years ago that's still hitting them around the head. 
Right. That is an interesting perspective and way to think about it. And I don't disagree, but it makes me skeptical, not to open a whole new can of worms here, but when people talk about remediation from the jab and the spike protein, it's like, I don't know. I think sometimes with some things, you put them in your body and what's done is done. You can't put the toothpaste back in the tube. It's just now you are tainted. But you know, there are people who disagree with that. A lot of experts are saying ivermectin works with the jab as well as COVID. So I don't know. But your point about the antibiotics being in your system still, like, I agree with that long term poisoning, I think, in some cases. And through a shot, something like as advanced as the mRNA stuff, I don't know if there's a get out of jail free card for that. So I've been talking to lots of health experts and doctors about this. What would you do, doctor? What would you do, health expert? And I've had all sorts of suggestions from MMS to hydrogen peroxide to acting as if I've got Lyme disease and trying to go down that route, like Dr. Klinghart might suggest. I've been looking at all sorts of routes. I've tried blood filtration. Um, I'm looking at all sorts of ways to try and figure out how to get these toxins out. Now, I've been studying toxin removal for a couple of decades or so, and loads of the toxins that doctors don't know how to get out are get-outable. But I've done quite a few detoxes one way or the other over the years, and obviously nothing I've done has worked on the diabetes so far. But it's an interesting area of research, and you know, I'm delving right into it to see how can you get this stuff out. I mean, yeah. actually, I believe that everything's possible. I'm much happier having that belief. <laughs> yes, I agree with you. Uh, on a base level, we should think that way. But man, you are a true wounded healer archetype, and I appreciate your vast knowledge and just impressive wide range of information that you're able to give out and speak on. Of course, the Secret Health Club is a major factor in the ways people can follow up with this as well as your store. Give them the links they should have before I cut you loose. Yeah, so secrethealthclub.com, secrethealthclub.com, and clivedecarl.com, and I'm sure my name will be spelled there. There's only one of me. I'm very lucky. I seem to be unique. There's no other Clive DeCarl in the world. <laughs> hey, I'm with you on that. But of course, I made up my own name and then legally changed it. So that would be why. Uh -huh. But <laughs> hey, man, I appreciate your time and your mission. It's just incredible the, the stuff that has been suppressed and the somewhat simple solutions that can do wonders if we just get back to basics and get the toxins out. So I appreciate oh, uh, you, man. Thank you. I appreciate you as well. Let me just, I just forgot to say, if somebody wants to write in and ask about the Tesla devices, they can write to info at secrethealthclub.com, info at secrethealthclub.com, or indeed Tesla at secrethealthclub.com. Both should get through. Love it. Love it. Yes, uh, that's a little bit more under the radar and requires a, a personal message of some kind. Um, you're not going to get it on Amazon is what I'm saying. No. So <laughs> right on. Well, thank you again. You are one of the greats and uh, I wish you health and happiness. Take care out there.
Thanks so much. Bye-bye. All right, all right, all right. There we go, people. It has been a little while since we re-examined the health and wellness terrain. Clive, of course, is always great because I know he's going to be exploring something new every time I talk to him. Thankfully, I can also say this was the last of my hotel recordings, so from here on out, I think everything should sound a lot closer to how you're used to it sounding. I still got a little work to do on this room here, and of course, I can't do as much to control my guest's environment as I sometimes want to. I told Clive the birds were loud. He said the window was closed. What are you going to do? We removed as much of the noise in post as we could. <laughs> but yeah, things are starting to normalize around here. And this opportunity came at a good time because I was in a difficult situation and Clive happened to get in touch and say, hey man, I've got a lot of new stuff. What do you think? And I jumped at it because one of those new things was these Tesla healing devices. And if you're a Plus member, then you know that Jason Quit had just mentioned these devices or things like them in the second hour of our interview. So I thought, let's just roll with the universe. Someone or something, maybe the ghost of Tesla himself is trying to get the message out. But they do seem like pretty powerful devices. Clive's video of healing 32 people, I think it was, in rapid succession is pretty damn impressive. The people in it seem just as shocked and surprised as anyone that their various ailments suddenly aren't bothering them. And I'll be curious to see if he really does send one out for me to try. I'm certainly going to give it a shot. I haven't really gone too deep on trying to repair the healing damage except for a Power of Eight intention session and a shamanic session with Gordon. Both were great experiences, but I'm still deaf in my right ear, surprising nobody. <laughs> But one of these devices sounds like it could be one of my better options. Let's see what happens. Other than that, people have always been asking me to cover urine therapy more, and it's pretty self-explanatory. Some folks out there drink their own urine and report high-level healing and general health effects. It's silly. It's pretty wild if true. But there's not much more to it. I don't think I can stretch that single topic into a whole two-hour interview. Well, I mean, I did it with circumcision, so maybe I can. But we touched on it today, and that is maybe the best I can do for a while. You know what you need to know if you want to look more into it. But I really appreciate Clive's passion and knowledge base. If you like the deep dives into holistic biohacking and alternative health info, his Secret Health Club is a ton of information, an ever-growing archive of articles, interviews, Q&As, and all that good stuff. Check it out, look into it, but I hope you had a good time. I went in pretty light on material today and leaned on Clive to do the heavy lifting, but he's a pro, so I knew it would turn out all right. In the second hour, we added a lot to the stack. We talked about methylene blue, Clive's sleep tips, and Bad sleep remedies. Actually, the magnesium has been helping me. I unpacked it. I started taking them by the fistful. <laughs> and I really have not had a restless leg issue since I talked about it on this episode. We also discussed the degrading quantity of vitamins if you're not eating right off the plant. Aerotoxicity, chlorine dioxide. 
I asked Clive what has been the most dangerous cure to talk about publicly. We got an update on David Noakes and GC Math for the OGs. We got into the power of parasite cleanses, breakthrough vitamin D, advice for toddlers, and raw milk in Florida. If you're still just a free listener, I don't know what more I can do. We keep the show ad-free. I try to keep the quality and density high in these shows, and the overall pitch to sign up I think is a lot shorter than almost any and all other interruptions or donation segments out there. But it's still a job for me, and you sign up for Plus because you want to hear the second hour more than you want to help me or anything like that. But it kicks off with a seven-day free trial. You can download the shows to listen to offline without any restrictions. You can keep your apps. You get a slew of bonuses on the bonuses page. Get in there. It's time. And before I clear out, I gotta let you know what THC fans are doing with the meetup calendar. As you know, it's open to anybody. Hop on in there, make an account, make an event near you. I'll announce it and the people will come. But on deck, we have the Sundowner Bar and Grill event in Sedona, Arizona. The High Springs Brewing Company in High Springs, Florida, both on June 3rd. A Scotland-UK meetup at Karas on June 10th, and also June 10th, a Golden, Colorado meetup. And then June 17th, a Stanford, Connecticut one. And June 20th, Nashville, Tennessee. And June 21st, Lancaster, New Hampshire. And that one is actually a meetup in the middle of the Pork Fest event, which I believe is a libertarian party gathering kind of thing. But that's it. It's looking a little light for June, but get in there, make an event, find the people. THC is a cool thing to have in common with those around you, and it's just something to do. But I got one more show coming at you before the end of May, so stay awake, be ready, and thanks for listening. I've done my part. Your move, big pharma bastards, true health hiders, and soldiers in the sickness system. Your fucking of corporate junk process stuff that makes you fat yeah it's a weak and sickly people making industry don't tell me don't tell me lies discipline is no fun I find denial makes it all gone and I don't technology and every now and then I try to quit and